if it hadn't been for like you and prostitution, I probably wouldn't have made it. Um, and <laughs> so, um, I don't like that. I <laughs> I'm sorry. I literally had a moment where I was like, I I like dissected that sentence, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> there wasn't. I'm sorry. Oh. You're listening to the They Them podcast. And we've shut off our fire alarm to record this episode. Yes. Uh, so, real quickly, I got a couple of uh, news announcements that, that we need to get through. First, uh, my computer, which is the computer that we usually use to record and keep and uh, recently edit the episodes um, has decided to stop working and it seems like we may have lost a couple of episodes and information. Thankfully, a couple days before the crash, I, I decided to randomly uh, update my uh, external hard drive with some of that information. So we've, we have some of that stuff and the idea is we've got four or five unedited episodes that we're planning to release kind of in combination with uh, newer episodes that we're going to be recording. Um, our new idea is that we're going to try to release at a bi-weekly schedule. This will be the first one of the new series of the Season They Them two. podcast. And hopefully much more regular and hopefully <laughs> yeah. much better produced. <laughs> so, While so, simultaneously being unedited. Yeah. So, so essentially, well, we have an, an interview with our friend Al about uh, being on tea for a while. And then we have a, an episode about Christianity and an episode answering a a listener question that we got like about six months ago now and we we have a lot new stuff coming coming up and we're very excited in this episode we decided that we wanted to go back to the very beginning a good place to start some would say the genesis of our uh gender things <clears throat> we decided to divide this up into four stages. Um, childhood, teenage years, college years, and then post-undergrad slash graduate yeah. years, depending on who you are on this podcast. <laughs> Essentially, we've like we've talked about how we've discovered new things about our gender throughout different episodes, but we wanted to have an episode that kind of covered the whole timeline. And so A survey that it's, of yeah. Moon Poet and Whooping Coughs gender identity and feelings about them and events that happen to like make things a lot clearer mm -hmm. or less clear in some cases <laughs> sometimes things aren't uh, linear anything yeah <clears throat> yeah i don't know we figured that we hadn't talked about this so it's uh, fun and this was inspired by a video that you saw it was inspired by a video that i saw um uh, my friend l actually who we interviewed and we'll eventually release, release that episode yeah. sorry l um, introduced me to this YouTube channel called ContraPoints, and it's fucking amazing. Like, it's basically, it's this trans woman arguing things. Mm -hmm. um, generally, like, from a... 
it's very like it's very liberal but it's sort of the liberal that understands right-wing minded things and for me it was just the sort of thing where i like i've become so divorced from like what it's like to think in a right-wing sort of way that it's kind of nice to be like oh no okay liberals sometimes can be a little bit silly but there's also still like validity to what we think and it's it's just fun i like i love 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 philosophical discussions and political discussions and it's just a trans woman with like interjections of like dark shit and like sexy shit and that's like everything that i wanted in life what about the particular episode the particular episode that i was talking about was an episode about um the particular episode that i was talking about was um an episode about autogynephilia which is a really fucked up like view about trans women in particular like it doesn't even take into account like trans men or non-binary people so basically what it is is that there's two kinds of trans women and both of them are men but um basically there's the homosexual like transsexual this feels really gross i'm so sorry but there's the homosexual transsexual who is basically like the ultimate gay man who's like so like into dick that you like that that like the person had to like become a woman in order to be get get straight dick which is just like really weird and then there's the auto um autogynephiliac who is basically like so attracted to the idea of being a woman that like when she transitions she like sort of mate bonds with herself and is like super attracted to herself which like i i don't know what trans people were interviewed to get this information? My <laughs> no feeling trans is none. people were My feeling is none, as happens frequently. But um, it's it's a view that likes kind of permeated like people who aren't trans and like live through this and like realize that that's complete bullshit and makes no sense. Yeah, and like just like Occam's razor. Like if it doesn't seem to fit, it probably doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Basically what she did to refute it, besides like a huge long argument of like everything that was super interesting and you should definitely look it up, but she was like, okay, I'm an actual trans woman. Here are my experiences with how I figured out that I was a trans woman and the things that I've gone through in order to figure out because it's it's kind of weirdly intertwined with like S&M and kind of viewing yourself as like a sexual deviant. Mm-hmm. And I that, that resonated with me a lot. Like, I have this internalized idea that I'm this, like, sexual deviant, and that, in a way, kind of helped me figure out who I was, and in a way, just, like, didn't help and has affected me in that. So I was, like, in thinking about my own life and, like, the parallels with, like, her experience as a trans woman, me as a non-binary, it was interesting to think, like, ah, cool, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. Ta-da. Let's let's start with childhood, then. Uh, What are your, like, first memories of understanding or having some idea of what gender was because you you have siblings of of, uh that are both male and female yeah so um well i remember definitely like being super confused by like seeing my little sister naked and just being like i assumed that girls would eventually develop a penis okay that's like genitalia and completely different from gender but like at the same time Uh i think that was the first time for me that i was just like that's interesting that's interesting there's other things besides penises yeah um gender wise i definitely remember like i've always been super stubborn about not wanting to do boyish things like i Mm -hmm. hated sports i hated like doing everything and i I remember that my mom would tell me that there was a certain point where like 
dad and I used to like play fight and dad and I used to like play soccer together and then there was a moment where I was just like no I hate this and was just like I was just like no I hate this and I like I I don't want to be treated as a boy I don't want to be thought of as like I don't know stereotypical mm-hmm. male things and I don't know if that's necessarily like gender it's more like I knew that there was like I, I just didn't want to yeah and I didn't like people assuming things about me so I just did everything that I could to like not be assumed of and yeah I remember like when like little things like my friends that were girls would have purses and all the guys would be like ah, I don't know. I just I'd grab the purse and be like yeah I got it it's mine but yeah it was just <laughs> it sounds just like you stole a little girl's purse <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's mine, and then you ran. <laughs> Basically, yeah. This is um, why I had no friends. You, you've told me several times the story of uh, wearing that thing that your mother gave you. Oh yeah, the yeah, conga. yeah. Um, I definitely remember being a kid, and my mom had this like conga, which is a katenge or whatever. It's a big, it's a square piece mm. of cloth. That you basically wrap around yourself to make like a makeshift dress. It's very African. Um, my mom had one that had a huge parrot on it, and I remember that I would like go into the bathroom and like just kind of like pose for myself and like try to imagine what I would look like as a woman and how I would act as a woman, and I'd use like my mom's makeup and like try to scrub it off so that it like wasn't noticeable and just be like, oh, my lips are just like weirdly red right now. But yeah, um, yeah. Up until it's... what age? Like. Like, what ages were, were all of this? Uh, that's as far back as, like, I can remember. Like, really? I can't remember not that's doing crazy. that. And, like, playing with my mom's makeup and, uh, like, watching my mom. She, my, my, none of my family is, like, particularly girly. Uh-huh. And I don't think that had I been born, like, assigned female at birth, that I would be particularly girly either. Yeah. Like, I just probably, like, have short hair and wear corduroy overalls and things like that as a kid but i would still like that person as my friend (laughs) i'm glad that nothing changes um but yeah no i I, like i definitely remember wishing that i was a woman Mm -hmm. like a lot like i I remember very very strongly that i wanted to be a girl and like my mom like i I would even tell my mom that and she'd be like oh no i wanted to be a boy as a like little girl yeah. and i was just like so it was just so you she didn't just really think anything of it thing, i didn't yeah. really think anything of it it was just kind of a like and sexuality wasn't really a thing at this point yeah like, of i was not. kind of an effeminate kid yeah so like in that case i think the gender came through first before the sexuality yeah um but i definitely remember having crushes on girls as a little kid and yeah. crushes on boys and it was just kind of nothing's changed yeah. um I think, like, I'm going to go all the way back to my birth um, because there's that famous story of my grandmother where I, I was born and my grandmother, ha- like, held me and handed me back to my mother and said, this baby's gay. <laughs> and uh, not completely wrong. She was a little off. But, uh, but I, like, I love that story. Like, my grandmother, for pretty much her entire life uh that she knew me like she always kind of thought there was something off about me and especially thought that i was gay um 
and this appears once again in my teenage years, but when she moved in with us. But uh, I remember that like already, bef- like while being born, that was something that was like said about me. And um, as far as like my own concepts of gender, um, I really didn't like. I think I just had the general stuff of like I watched movies like the first movie I saw in movie theaters was Hercules and my parents dressed me up as Hercules for like this costume party or whatever but I didn't really like I was okay with it and I kind of knew that that was the thing I was like the person I was supposed to dress up as but I always thought Megra was like a thousand times cooler than Hercules because she definitely is yeah so Hercules is kind of a doofus uh uh-huh and like it doesn't deserve her it's fine yeah so <laughs> so like in my brain i i always kind of connected with that more and i i don't remember like i don't have really strong memories of anything like super gender oriented until um when we moved here when i was like 6 or 7 uh, when we moved to the States from Puerto Rico, uh, there was, um, uh, I think it was months into our being here, I, I went to the hospital because I was feeling what, what I now know is bottom dysphoria. But I was feeling something was off, and my parents got, like, really freaked out because, they, because like, I, I, I couldn't say that it hurt, but it was just, like, a very numb feeling. And, like, I didn't, like, there was just something off, and they took me to the hospital. They kind of obviously didn't find anything wrong, so they let us go, and, like, the feeling went away. But it's weird how, like, years and years later, that that makes a a lot more sense, because, like, I I had never thought about that. Um, And it could have been something else, but I I still think it, it was, like, bottom dysphoria um and i know that one thing that connects both of well my my childhood and more of your teenager time was uh the two books that uh you helped edit a book and i was reading a book i'll talk about yeah. the book that i read which i think the title was there's a boy in the girl's bathroom which Yes, sounds like some weird Republican propaganda yeah, made uh, m- made in the eighties, which it was written in the eighties by Lewis Sanker, the guy who wrote Holes. But um, I remember reading that book, and I don't remember much about it. But like, I was like really intrigued by the concept of it, and I constantly like imagined myself like ha- having a baby and like being able to be pregnant and stuff like that. And I would, kind of similar to you, I'd look in mirrors and try to, like, do things. But I, I never did makeup because I was, I've always had, like, an aversion towards makeup. But I would, like, pull my hair back for some reason. That, like, made me feel like it was more feminine and stuff like that. So, yeah, that, that I think, kind of wraps up childhood yeah. times. Well, might as well go into the book. Because that mm-hmm. is sort of teenage years it's definitely pre-college it was later on yeah um i was like old enough to know that i was good at editing um because i just could memorize grammar rules and that's about it 
but nerd also had strong opinions about everything which just hasn't changed <laughs> but i was editing a friend's book uh he's like he's a good deal old, older than i am he was a friend of the family um he was one of the people that like really got me interested in writing and like oh. thinking of writing as an actual thing um and i remember that he um had me edit this book which i never finished um he's published it online now so i won't like say what it is but basically the theme of the book is that this girl can like retroactively make prayers come to life uh-huh. um and uh, the only one that can notice is this other guy who's like kind of in love with her and they start like dating and she prays without him knowing that she won't be intimidated by her and by him anymore mm-hmm. and so he wakes up the next morning as a woman and the rest of the uh, like book deals with like him learning how to become a woman and i yeah. remember like being like one part intrigued by like what it would be like to like become a woman and what i mm-hmm. could do to like i don't know it, it was a very like oddly appealing idea to me which is part of why i decided that i wanted to edit the book um it's like your subconscious telling you shit it's fine um and uh one part just like how wrong he got like the feeling of being a woman was um it just like i don't know from reading it it just seemed like a very like it was concentrated on things that were very like to do with like sex and high heels and like Sex in high heels, or I mean sex that too. and high heels. Okay. That too. Like, what are you doing if you're not having sex in high heels? But um, I remember particularly um, that there was a passage where, like, because obviously this was written by a Christian, as soon as like he became a woman, then he started having feelings for guys mm-hmm. and started like falling in love with his male best friend, and just the way that like the author was like describing what liking a man was like i remember writing extensive notes about just like you have no idea what it's like to like a guy mm-hmm. and just like going into detail about everything and then realizing what i'd done and deleting all of it yeah also reasons why i never turned in those notes because it was very homosexual notes and uh, very incriminating which <laughs> he found out eventually it, just, it happens yeah um but yeah no i remember being very fascinated by the idea of becoming a woman and i think like starting out teenage years i don't think that i particularly like the gender thing subsided like because i was so afraid of like sexuality things and Mm -hmm. like it's not necessarily the gender feelings were gone it's just kind of that i had bigger priorities and i'd kind of figure out that i wasn't a trans woman so i kind of just was like okay cool not a trans woman so definitely a guy but also likes boys what are we going to do about that? Um, <laughs> it was just... The look you just gave me was like, made me so sad. <laughs> just, just, oh no. Yeah, it was... <laughs> I think fear was most of the teenage years. Yeah. Like a, a lot of fear about everything. Yeah. Um, do you feel like there, there was pressure for you to present as more masculine and so on? I feel like it kind of subsided actually like there there were definitely things that i couldn't do but i think by the time that i became a teenager people knew that i wasn't ever gonna like cars and that i was never gonna play soccer again in my life yeah 
Um, and sometimes I liked playing soccer just to like be like, you don't know who I am, but then like you do. Um, but I think by the time that I was a teenager, people figured out that I wasn't really going to do what they wanted me to do gender-wise. So I was going to like... So it was kind of a time of compromise. Mm-hmm. So like I wasn't allowed to play with Barbies, but I was allowed to play with Ken dolls and play with them naked, which is fun. Um, and uh, I wasn't really allowed to play with like Polly Pocket, so I would play with like the Ricky Pocket. Um, <laughs> was that a <laughs> had thing? A lot of, oh, it was definitely a thing. I remember that my friend came over... Who I had a huge crush on. Uh-huh. Um, he like came over and like he saw my like Ricky collection, which was quite huge and in a lot Extensive, of Tupperware, yeah. like a lot of Tupperware. Uh-huh. Um, and he was just like, "What's that?" And I was just like, "Oh fuck, that's not normal." Um, yeah. And uh, like, luckily, he was good enough friend that he didn't like alienate me after that because like I was kind of definitely afraid of that. But that was the moment where I was just like this is getting too obvious so i threw them all away and was just like wow i'm gonna be a man again but like in my own private life that's part of the reason that i I didn't i never really had friends over Uh because i didn't really like i i had too much girly shit and they made fun Mm. of me um and uh i also just wasn't very good at opening up to people ever like i don't think i really ever opened up to anyone that wasn't like my brother my sister until like 20 yeah but <laughs> which is kind of crazy yeah a little in my, well in my mind i i don't know about not opening up but definitely not saying everything mm-hmm. ever um but yeah it was just i think a lot of it was like me not inviting friends because i just like didn't feel comfortable with them like seeing who i was on the inside and um i definitely remember um (laughs) like i guess it's transitioning to like the sad snm part of being a kid but uh, i think part of me figuring out my sexuality was um this like realizing that being like homosexual and like a little bit too into wearing women's clothes was within this realm of like fetish Mm. Um, and it all had to do with sex and like dark like deviant things um, which was the era of MySpace (laughs) so me being the little repressed kid that I was um, I kind of like took out the darkest parts of my like personality on MySpace like it was it, it wasn't super dark what more got dark was like my like personal messages um and like older men figuring out that i was like very gay as a kid and very repressed so i would like flirt back with them because i would feel like i was like i don't know I, I needed some sort of sexual outlet and at certain point like porn kind of wasn't enough yeah i needed the like I, I wanted to know how these things actually, like, worked in real life. So, naturally, I went even deeper onto the internet. Uh-huh. <laughs> Flirting oh with old men as, like, a 15-year-old child. Um, but through several years, we were, like, homeschooling. So, I would basically spend the entirety of the day, like, on my dad's laptop. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like, watching these, like, homeschooling videos, which were, like, super Pentecostal and weird and not fun to watch yeah so i would like take nudes of myself like in between the videos and like send them to old men and i think that was kind of the beginning of me viewing myself as like a sexual deviant uh-huh um 
there wasn't really any like dressing up and all of that of like drag sex or whatever it was just like me yeah. taking nudes and like sending them to old men how old are you like 15 through like 17 okay definitely a minor De- yeah. definitely not a thing that old men should have seen but i kind of liked how untouchable i felt and for like like for the first time in my life i felt like a sexual human being uh-huh. like someone to be desired and i had this very like i just felt so absolutely ugly that like mm. any sort of attention was good attention yeah that's and interesting now those have come back to haunt me but that's fine <laughs> <laughs> it happens um but i think that was the beginning of me like i already felt like a dirty piece of shit for it mm-hmm. um and i like more and more started associating myself with being a sexual deviant and mm-hmm. like that was kind of the beginning of me acting on it and involving other people in it mm. so i like it was hard to not feel dirty always yeah about my gender and about my sexuality which just made me repress it even further because it like was all associated as like a bad thing in my head mm-hmm. uh as like throughout the teenage years um uh, i think i'll talk real quickly about sexuality um for me i um i was in second grade or something like that and we had this guy who's kind of uh just like he was a a student at the uh local university truman who uh he was he was i i don't know he was like doing some type of practice thing where he would talk to the the kids in our in like the catholic school second grade and he would kind of do like little therapy sessions type stuff and i told him that I had this crush on uh, a boy in the class, and it wasn't my first crush on on a boy. And um, he was like, uh, "That is completely fine. You can talk to me about it. You should probably not talk to other people about it for some reasons that I'm not gonna go into right now." And for the longest time, I was like, "This is an okay thing. I am not doing anything wrong." But I think just like kind of like media and and my other friends and everything like i kind of got the message that uh it was better to be attracted to women than it was to be attracted to a guy and i i guess i just kind of like let that dictate a, a big part of me until i got into college um, where I was like, oh, I can see every, everyone slash anybody as beautiful and that's fine. And I could also fall in love with anybody. So, um, but anyway, back as far as like gender stuff goes, I, I feel like much like the sexuality stuff and connected to yours, um, it was kind of repressed like i i never really thought about it i i let like the influence of others kind of uh push me in a particular way but i i didn't have as much of a sexual deviant uh like 
force in me because like I didn't I don't know I didn't really understand sex until I was like 18 and I I didn't start masturbating until that age so like for started earlier yeah yeah for the longest time I had no idea why people were sexual and um and all that the only deviant thing in my brain was that i would steal like pretty much all throughout my teenage years and high school and stuff i would steal my mom's bras and and take them into my room and then i would wear them and i would wear them in the bathroom and i i didn't understand why it felt good. <laughs> like no, like it was yeah. just it was just like this is this is a good feeling i like this I want to do this all the time. Uh, and there was a part of me that was like, is this connected to sexuality? But I knew it wasn't. But, like, I I even asked myself that in, in some respects. But, um, yeah. It, uh, teenage years, I think, was, like, so much repression, repression. that, like, I didn't really think much about it. I remember, uh, so I I went to France during my junior year of high school, and I I had this like I I I had these emotions of of really feeling out of place, and I realized now. That it wasn't just, like, culture shock and stuff like that, but it was the really kind of machismo feelings that I was getting in that part of France from other men, and, like, that was expected of me, and I was very much not like that, and, uh... I wanted to fit in more with the girls in my class, but even they just didn't... Like, I, I couldn't connect with anyone... So, like, I felt completely out of that, which, you know, gender-wise, I sometimes still do, so. I mean, I think, like, both of us seem to really gravitate towards women mm-hmm. in just our friendships as kids and growing up. Like I, like, I definitely did. I have never really, like, I've always had a hard time relating to men. Like, a mm-hmm. really, really, really hard time. And I don't know how much of that is, like, just hating the one that the the way that men are socialized and the fucked up shit that they do always um and how much of it is just like i don't know it's just like i've always been a little bit female supreme yeah like i just kind of i don't know women just strike me as smarter and more interesting and have better conversations and better fashion and better dressed and like just also just seeing i I don't know i just always liked women better like men just struck me as like like, even the smart ones, just, like, slightly stupid. Yeah, I, like I, I think that. for me that started shift Like, my thoughts started shifting more towards that in high school yeah. and stuff. Because in elementary school and all that, like, I had my group of friends, which was mostly male, except for, like, a couple of girls that were, in, like, in our friend group and yeah. stuff. And, and I connected more than with, uh, comedy and like these things that we had in common than than with gender. So. Yeah, I didn't don't think that I started developing like really a sense of humor until I like had come to terms with my gender and sexuality. Yeah, because <laughs> it kind of it frees you from like a lot of 
It allows you to make a lot of self-deprecating jokes that would have hurt you yeah. before. I think, I like, for me, it was connected to being overweight. So, like, I, I was overweight for quite, and like, uh, some time bet- uh, when I was in elementary school and, uh, like, the first year of high school. And for me, it was just, like, uh, if I wasn't going to be a sporty kid or anything, I might as well be uh, funny and interesting. <laughs> so... Yeah. And the, the thing is, like, the weight issues and the, like, the stuff that I had with my weight, uh, like, made me very well-versed in, like, issues with my own body. So I think I always connected my, my problems with my body to be a weight thing. And I think you also. Yeah. No, same. Like, I think there's a part of, like being a like i i wasn't ever like really really overweight i was definitely chunky mm-hmm. and i've always just kind of fluctuated a lot in my life i was um, 20 to 30 pounds overweight for my age group at one point so i think it was like 10 15 yeah um but yeah no a lot of the gender dysphoria sort of got lost in like body dysmorphia and having to deal mm. with that and uh like it's my dad caught it real young. It was um, my mom too. Like I, I was just always very, very we close to both of them. In the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't really have to go into that. I, <clears throat> yeah, I. There was just a lot of distractions from gender. Mm-hmm. There was sexuality, and then like feeling overweight, and um, I think the only way that like gender really came through for me during teenage years was that like really hard feeling of like i don't want to be associated with men mm. and to this day it kind of like messes with my mind of just yeah. like am i genderqueer or do i just really hate men and don't want to be a man because mm-hmm. i hate men i just kind of want to disassociate from that but one, one thing that that reminds me of like i remember i i really I, the first time i went to prom i didn't like enjoy it that much and i thought I like I had the thought that I would way prefer being uh in a dress and stuff and um I I remember this thing that like senior year I was talking to a couple of friends in one of my classes who were juniors and one of them was an artist and uh for some reason she decided to draw me and I was like I want to be drawn with a um It'd be kind of a cartoon version of me, but wearing uh, Marie Antoinette's like famous blue dress. Yes. And and she was like, yeah, of course. And she did like this awesome drawing of like a cartoon version of me That's wearing cool. wearing the hoodie that I always wore with that. And uh, for some reason, a cup of coffee because I I guess that that was like something I was associated with in those days. I would assume uh, that you drank. you just look like a coffee person yeah i think so uh but but like those images now strike me like kind of like weed like you seem like a weed person yeah yeah which i am very strongly against people thinking about that (laughs) (laughs) because i because that's a whole other episode but like ever since i was like i don't know 15 people have have assumed things about me and weed so uh not only be uh, well, mostly because I'm Latinx, <laughs> but also the 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 way I let my hair grow out. But uh, that that was a really big thing for me, like having control over my hair because I 
Um, I essentially, like, my mom cut my hair until junior year of high school when I went to France. It was when I went to France that I finally, like, was able to make the decision whether, whether or not I wanted to get my hair cut. And I knew for the longest time I wanted to have my hair long. So... So I grew it out, and then, like, one weekend I was with a couple of friends, and I was like, yeah, I cut my hair, and we did that, but, like, I always, like, ever since then, I've always kept my hair long, was, uh, like, every every opportunity I had, and through senior year, I, like, I told my parents, like, you guys have no control over that aspect of my life anymore, like, I... I control however long I want my hair, so. And and that was, like, a big thing for me, to, to have that control. So. Yeah. We had to have very military haircuts in school, and I was just such a good student that I was kind of allowed to have my hair longer than usual. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, if I'd have had my, like, rathers, I probably would have grown out my hair. And I still have my hair, I would still have my hair out long, but I'm balding so badly that I feel like it looks silly. Yeah. But yeah. it happens. It's worth trying. Yeah, I'm just not a very patient person. I tend to <laughs> shave off my hair. Yeah, yeah, you tend to have uh, meltdowns. Uh, I I like to call them flights of fancy. Flights of fancy. <laughs> yes, but um, anything else you want to talk about, like teenage? I don't think so. Yeah. College is where everything was at. Ooh, yeah. College was a it was a booming time. Yeah. I mean, the first two years for me were fucking awful. Yeah. Like, I was so distracted by being so fucking sad that I, like, couldn't really concentrate on anything. Like, I, like, didn't really give myself a chance to figure out anything about myself. Because I knew that I liked boys. I knew that I could do some fucked up shit online. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of separated myself from, like, any sort of sex at that point. Because I was just, like, kind of just tired of being used. Mm-hmm. Like I just I felt really really hollowed out inside. Yeah. Like pretty much those first two years, and I don't think that I like even had I been like at Truman the first two years, I don't think that I would have really had sex with anybody. Because mm. it was just like I felt so like just hurt, like yeah. really really hurt by myself, and I like I don't know I I felt really really dirty and um ugly and. It was just kind of, it was really, really hard. So a lot of my self-hate, I would like pour into running all the time. And at first I didn't really want to run because I was just like, I've never really been an athletic person. Like, why am I doing that? And I had a professor that was just like really, really insistent. It was like, hey, you should join running club. And then I started running and loved it and was just like, hey, cool, I can be really skinny. And uh, just lost a lot of weight and kind of like didn't really eat much and like just craved every time that anybody Mm -hmm. called me skinny. Um, and a lot of that, like, self-loathing was just, like, poured into making myself as ridiculously attractive as possible and still unattainable. So it was just kind of the thing where, like, um, it used to be that I was this, like, ugly little kid that was so desperate that I'd, like, send my nudes to 40-year-old men, and now mm-hmm. I'm going to be beautiful and give it to no one. Mm. And it was just kind of a, like, like, taking power back over my body. So I guess that was the positive aspect of slight anorexia. But <laughs> yeah, it just like, <laughs> that's crazy. I felt so hollowed out that like, I just, I needed to take a break from sexual activity and kind of regain control over uh-huh. my body. Um, 
And then I That's broke good. my foot and gained a bunch of weight and didn't really lose it until I was back at Truman. But um, it was it was hard. In those first two years of college, I didn't really let anybody in, and I like I eventually became friends with like a lot of people. Um, that just took a while. It took until I left, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like I'd have friends. Um, and like thinking about people like Monet and like Leroy and like people like that, like they were actual genuine friends. I couldn't really talk about sexuality, but like I've got a feeling that they knew, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty sure they did. But I like I poured myself into music because it was the only subject that I had that didn't involve Jesus, and then writing because I knew that I was good at it and liked it, and it was kind of my only way to process anything. And I had like journals and journals and journals and journals about my feelings about like. Um, I actually started watching this YouTuber, Steph Sanyadi, mm-hmm. who at the time identified as uh, just like non-binary. And that was the first time that I was kind of exposed to that sort of thing. And I just like, I found her like so attractive. And the more attractive that I found her, the more that I realized, speaking of like, this is going to sound really autogynophilic, but I just wanted to be attracted to myself in the same way mm-hmm. and kind of become my own type. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't really start. But it's more about like your own power and control. It's more that. about yeah, yeah, taking power over your body than like being strictly attracted to myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. It also feels like being attracted to myself was sort of the beginning of it, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's still kind of a bit of it because I don't feel like I've really properly transitioned still. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully that happens down the line. It'll. It's gonna happen down the line. Let's let's be honest. Um, I just don't know where to start. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm afraid of everything. Yeah. But that's a more now. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's post college. <laughs> um, but finding Steph Sanyadi was super helpful in that. Like I started using writing um, as like I would use music to express just feelings of like despair. <laughs> yeah. So like if you would like be going past the chapel, you could just hear me playing like super doomy improvised music or like awkwardly trying to like figure out like a Brahms piece mm-hmm. because sight reading is not my forte. Um, but I like would pour out like my like depressive emotions into music and then my like actual feelings about like, liking boys and stuff like that into these essays written from the perspective of somebody else and I'd write them in Spanish mm-hmm. so that nobody could like understand what they were saying and so that I could practice my Spanish yeah um, and I'd write them in Spanish in these little notebooks of like talking about like it would always start like una vez un hombre mm-hmm. like once upon a time there was a man who yeah like and would be like didn't believe in god believe this like i would pour out my like philosophical thoughts about god and why i didn't believe in god and why i did believe in god and you've never told me gender and yeah i might still have the notebook somewhere actually Mm -hmm. but yeah that helped um also getting out of that situation helped a lot yeah I'm coming to um, I definitely wouldn't have made it had I stayed like even a semester longer. Yeah. Um, it was just really dark. It was a lot of. It's a dark time. The best thing that came out of that was that I realized that I couldn't just let other people make decisions for me, and I couldn't just like allow society to dictate how I was going to live because mm-hmm. I wasn't going to make it. Yeah. And I think that's 
been a good lesson for me to learn even now. Um, and I don't think that I would be as stubborn as I am in what I want and how I want it had I not had those two years of like letting other people drive my life and it like kind of driving mm -hmm. me towards like being suicidal. So yeah. it was bad. I, I'm not going to say that I wish that I hadn't had those two years. Yeah. Um, or, or I know <laughs> the other way around. I'm not going to say that I'm happy for those two years, but they like taught me a lot of things. I like, I'm not that, purpose-driven mm -hmm. like i i don't really believe in things teaching you things about things to show you things like, like <laughs> i'm yeah more of the kind of person that's like yeah no like it's unfortunate that i had to learn all that and i wouldn't be the same person but let's be honest like i would much prefer to be rich right now than poor i would much prefer to not have had to go through that yeah um, just because it was painful and I like definitely tried to not make it and like the only reason why I made it was like accidents and being bad at killing myself so then came Truman and the first year was kind of like still really lonely um, and I didn't really have any friends and you I had didn't the really... people you lived with I did yeah, yeah. and they were super cool um, but I wasn't really, like, I was out to them, and <clears throat> it was fun, but I, like, that was kind of the first, I remember the first time that I, like, wrote, I am bisexual on anything was, like, a Truman piece of paper that was, like, it was a survey of some sort, and it was, like, asking what my sexual orientation was, and I was, like, bisexual. Um, but I didn't really, like... I don't think that I ever, like, said that I was pan until, like, out loud, until to other people. Until, like, that, like, being in the romance language house and, mm -hmm. like, going around and, like, saying our, like, pronouns, pronouns and, like, and stuff. Yeah. name and, like, sexual orientation. And that was the first time that I was I just, didn't like, make pans. you guys say sexual orientation. Most of you just, like, wanted to say it yourself. I seem to recall it being a prompt. It was. I don't think it was you. I don't think it was you. It was, I think it was uh, someone we know who yeah. who was very uh, sexually oriented and yes. wanted to no. to pry it out of everyone. That is very. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, you're thinking of a particular person because I asked for names and pronouns, yeah. and this is when I was the essay slash RA of. Um, the Romance Language House, and this was my th uh, third year of college. So um, I'm going to catch us up, yeah. up until that point real quick. And um, one thing you, you were talking about, the little essays that you wrote in Spanish, made me think about how, like, honestly, I think I've been repressing it throughout this whole conversation, the idea that, like, the Latinx culture and especially Puerto Rican culture, has uh, kind of helped me push down a lot of my own thoughts about gender. Um, a lot of it having to do with, like, when I was a kid, um, I uh, spent a lot of time with my grandfather in his, um, his mechanic shop, and... Uh, I'm not blaming it on that because, like, I love, like, honestly, so some of my favorite years 
uh, some of my favorite memories as a kid happened there. But, uh, like, I, those build up the concepts of, like, a, a man knows about cars, a man does these particular things. And my grandfather has always kind of, like, wanted to be a, a, a mold for me of, of manhood. And uh, I think that's, like, the difficulty we have in a bit of our relationship now. And it's mo mostly on my side where I just have a hard time reaching out uh, because it's uh, it, it no longer means the same thing. Um, but uh, going back to Puerto Rico every couple of summers or every couple of years to see family, there was, there was always an obvious like distinction between me and them. And I always thought it was like more of a cultural thing of having lived in the U.S. for so long and everything. But uh, uh, with this last visit that happened last year before Hurricane Maria happened, um, I, uh, I realized that it was a gender thing also all along. Like that, like the, the difficulty with connecting with people had to do with that uh, because they're pretty much like I don't know of any other trans people in my family or or anything so or in the history of my family so um but college wise I entered college um I through conversations with uh f these friends that I had made uh really quickly I realized that I had uh like like romantic feelings towards people of all genders and and that it was fine for me to comment and talk about that and that was great like i i love that um i was in this long relationship that was difficult and very it has a lot of stuff to it um but as that relationship was ending we were having a conversation about like breaking up and kind of in the middle of that conversation the the weirdest light bulb <laughs> lit up above my head of maybe i'm trans and um i i don't know why it came to me at that moment when something was about to end i in some ways i think it was because i wanted an explanation why things were ending um but also because it was a whole other like it was a thing i couldn't worry about within the relationship but now that i was outside of that relationship it was a thing i could think about and talk about and um i didn't talk about it f f for the longest time to people there there was one person um at truman who like uh you know and um that uh she used to go by they them pronouns we we like had a conversations at parties and stuff and uh the more i heard what they like what they she was saying back then i um i kind of like related more and realized things and i i remember uh after the breakup i i went on this trip to um to Salt Lake City to visit a friend um, and I was so determined that during that trip I was gonna figure myself out and I like I read 
things online just like crazy of just like what is this like i went through every letter of the lgbtq community and stuff like i wanted to figure something out and i always kept coming back to gender fluid and i was like this this feels like the most accurate and then that that goes into what i talked about in the first episode where i I went to Reddit um, because there there's this other podcast that I mention every fucking episode called Harmontown, and like they had some guests up on stage uh, that were uh, gender queer and trans, and like th- those people like really inspired me, and I connected with them on Reddit to get help uh, about like figuring out more things about my gender, and then that kind of leads up to. Um, after that relationship went south and I was starting to figure out things about my gender, I kind of felt a helplessness about it because I, I it felt like there there was a part of me that felt like no one was ever going to be attracted to me anymore. There was a part of me that was like really afraid that no one would ever find me attractive because I had all this other stuff going on. And, um... I went into a depression about the same time that I started telling people to use uh, they, them pronouns for me. And that was like a good, a good thing that I pushed and that, that made me feel more and more liberated within my feelings about gender. Um, And honestly, like, even though part of it, part of bringing this into the conversation has to do, because we were just talking about it, but Steven Universe was really big in me being okay, realizing that I was trans and talking about the fact that I was trans. Because um, I, uh, I was going through this depressive period and a friend of mine um, was just like, hey, there's this show that I think you would love, and you remind me a lot of the main character. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And I fell for Steven Universe. I like, I sat for three days straight and watched all of the episodes that were available. And up until then, I think it was like through season one and a half or something like that. And I, uh, I was just like, this, this speaks so much to like my, my feelings about queerness and who I am and just trying to figure out all these things because Steven is not trying to figure out the like gender things but just trying to figure himself out and figure out like his past and in that way like I connected a lot with it um and then that's when you and I met essentially like the the year right after that and that's when I started really pressing for everyone to use they them pronouns for me and that's also when I started like helping like that's also that year was special in my mind because like almost everyone on the on the floor was like queer in in some way and developing different identities yeah yeah and we we were all like figuring stuff out at the same time that it was like invigorating exciting and dangerous like it was it was a lot it was a lot of things at the same time i think a lot of us also like just didn't really it's not it's not necessarily that like none of us had a family it's that all Mm -hmm. of us 
needed a different one. Yeah. And we kind of became each other's family, and that was the first time that I really, like, had a queer family where mm-hmm. I, like, I also the idea of it being okay that I'm going to try this identity out and see if yeah. it feels good, and then, like, maybe develop into something else. And, like, it taught me that, like, it's okay to, like... Because um, when I, like, went into the, like, romance language house, I came in, I said I was bi... And then I, like, realized what Pan was and that it was more inclusive. And I was like, oh, no, I'm Pan. And then I, like, um, kind of, like, I don't know. I, like, I went through a phase where I was just like, no, I'm definitely just going to fuck guys. Um, <laughs> and uh, then I was just like, no, nah, I might just be, like, straight up gay. Um, and then um, through, like, talking to you, I remember that there was particularly, like, one conversation where, um, like, it was at least you, me, and Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, like, uh, I don't remember how it came up, but, like, you and I started talking about how we wanted to be girls as kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, like, it got me thinking of just, like, and it's not that I haven't thought about it before, obviously. But it got me thinking about, like, what's the difference between Sebastian and me? Mm. Like, why, like, do we have that many similar things? And in, like, reading more, like, because, like, dysphoria seemed like such a big, scary thing that I, like, I, like, I'd never really thought about what it actually meant to be dysphoric. Mm -hmm. And in reading more and, like, talking to, like, you and talking to Al, especially, like, Mm -hmm. Al a lot. Yeah. Um, in talking uh, to Bella and okay, fucking start a podcast with Al then. Fuck. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, I just, like, <laughs> have a thing with authority and I'm not good at divulging things that are personal to authorities. Yeah, I was um, an authority figure back then, which, like, people who know me, <laughs> like, that's a hilarious fact. Yeah. No, it is really funny. Uh, because I, mean, I, good. I don't like being an authority figure. I like being someone that helps. Yeah. And, and like, unfortunately, that comes with being authority. an authority at times. But I just like being there when, to help. Yeah. No, so. you were good at that. Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to deny that you were a good essay. Except for... We don't care about him. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so there was a lot of conversations of just like... Like Al talking about his dysphoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like Bella talking about her dysphoria. And you talking about your dysphoria. Where I was just like... Stares in a mirror and feels like everything's wrong. Check. Never really associated with my body. Check have a complicated relationship with my penis check mm-hmm. um like cross-dressing all the time check like there was a point in my life where i like would wake up like hours before i had to go to class and like work out in my room um because health is great um and then i would like put on makeup and like stare at myself for like at least half an hour and i couldn't feel like i could go outside until i'd like yeah. put on makeup like a full face of makeup and then, like, wiped it off. Um, like, I just, like, I couldn't function. I couldn't go outside. If anything ever came up and it was, like, earlier than it was supposed mm-hmm. to be and I didn't anticipate it, I just wouldn't go. I couldn't go. Yeah. Like, I, like, had to have that time to myself where I would, like, feminize my face and, like, wear high heels and dance around to, like, Lady Gaga. And yeah, um, I just, like, I needed those moments as not a man to like cope with having to be a man yeah um 
uh, also thinking about like that time i i think i was afraid of coming out to people because um uh, like it wasn't necessarily very easy um some of the earlier friends i made in uh college uh like it took a while for them to be like more okay with it um and I, I think a lot of it had to do with, like, I was afraid of it just being, it just seeming like I was just being eccentric. Like, yes. like the, the fear, oh yeah, that, like, I'm already a quite eccentric person. This is just another level of eccentricity. <laughs> and I, like, that was really a scary thing because I didn't want people to think think about like i didn't want people to assume that it was that so oh yeah no there was also like the level of just like i'm already so weird do we have to be this yeah weird? yeah yeah <laughs> like, do we please, have to add another why, level why <laughs> yeah why me yeah but, also yeah. like another thing to be oppressed about <laughs> yeah no i'm white it's fine yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> this was my first level of oppression that's not complete yeah. we both had yeah. like male privilege and stuff yeah. like that so like and still continue to mm-hmm. like i like yeah. i see the way that people treat me yeah like when i look very male and like yeah. versus when i like even at icing where i have to wear a bunch of like jewelry like people mm-hmm. treat me very very different yeah um and it's like i don't know i like that loss of privilege is definitely a like factor in yeah. being afraid to like fully transition because i know that like i look faggoty now i'm gonna look real faggoty like as soon as i like start like growing out my hair and like doing whatever and like Mm -hmm. dressing more femininely and stuff like that but at the same time i like i've kind of like i don't care like what am i gonna do like not that's stupid yeah like I don't know anybody in my life that I actually care about that wouldn't be 185% supportive. Mm -hmm. And I, like... Yeah, it's just a thing that I have to go through in my life. Is there anything else uh, in the college years that you want to talk about before we push completely into now? I think it was more post-college that I, like, got more into, like, BDSM. Yeah. And stuff like that. And, like, that sort of thing yeah i'm gonna jump in real quick and and finish up my my stuff about those years where i um one i like getting into a relationship with stephanie i uh made me way better at explaining my gender and like talking about it uh openly and uh it it just it was the first time a, a partner has been like super supportive about it and like has been very helpful um, in figuring things out and like I'm super duper grateful and happy about that uh, and also like my friends like you and and other friends that we've mentioned before like having those people uh, has always like affected me and helped me so much uh through like figuring those things out um one thing that i feel like we both really need to mention is queer theory oh class, yeah where oh my God, where yeah. like um 
with, with our favorite professor, Summer Petal. <laughs> and um, uh, where, like, it was the first time that I think we both had to come to terms with, like, the real theory shit. Yeah. And, and it made little sense, like, very, like, all queer things. But it was so exciting like it was so exciting to be in a classroom where we were discovering these things and talking about these things in like in detail and um it it just it felt it didn't feel like work it felt like just so much good energy i think that was also like the first time that it felt like knowledge was alive yeah like it just like you realize how little we know about queer theory mm-hmm. and like how much your opinion and your experience counts yeah. towards helping a field grow better and that was a moment where i was just like oh i can contribute to human knowledge yeah. like that's cool and also how like subjective it all is yeah uh which which was a like really good realization yeah. where it's just like yeah our like the histories that we're saying now may connect in some ways with different people but but it's not it's like it's never a clear path yeah. all the way through so i feel like it was also like a like coming of age moment where mm-hmm. like i felt like instead of thinking of other people as like the queer authorities and like the queer police that i like suddenly became a queer authority <laughs> and like the hopefully queer not queer not no obviously queer like, police obviously not. i think it was more like it, it was more it, it was more of a feeling that, like, I know about as much as they do, uh-huh. um, but we all have very different experiences. So, like, I like I no longer feel intimidated by people who know more yeah. about things than I do. Yeah. And the readings was, were yeah. still hard. <laughs> the readings were still very difficult. I uh, frequently was just like, you know what? I'm going to skim this. I love Tomorrow the, it'll make sense. I love there were, like, several of us who would come into into like my bedroom and we'd be like did you get any of that and it's like i no. think so i don't know and it's like we would definitely okay, like yeah. piece together our knowledge <laughs> yeah, of what yeah. we like give each other like a little summary of like the little bits <laughs> yeah. and pieces and like most of the time it was just like it's a i remember in there. none of that from the article but that's cool yeah. i have shit to talk about tomorrow yeah, <laughs> yeah that's definitely like 185 percent like the class that i've been the most like Excited emotionally about, intellectually about. and like spiritually involved mm-hmm. in yeah in my life yeah all right, now we can. Do you have any like more stuff about the now? Um, about the this year post grad. I'm. I'll keep it real short and sweet. Uh huh. I feel like the big change that's come is that like that feeling of feeling like like dirty and like a sexual deviant. Like there was a point, especially like the summer after college. Um, where I needed to embrace being a sexual deviant. And, like, yeah. I'm always going to have a little part of me, because let's be honest, leather is fun. Um, and... Yeah, you went uh, <laughs> hardcore into I, that. Uh, I uh, went very hardcore into uh, many sexual things. Um, and uh, I... I don't know. I just, like... For one, I was really, really poor. So, like, if it hadn't been for, like, you and prostitution, I probably wouldn't have made it. Um and so um i don't like that i'm sorry i literally had a moment where i was like i i like dissected that sentence and i was like 
Oh no! <laughs> there wasn't. I'm sorry. Uh, let's clear up the fact there is no prostitution, no prostitution between, between the two of us. The two no. of us. No, no, no. Um, but it was really fun. Like honestly, it felt like I could be like, you know what? If the government's not going to take care of me, I'm going to take care of myself, and uh, I'm going to do it with my penis. And so it, it was really fun to like be like, yeah, no, I'm a sexual deviant. I'm a monster. This is fun. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and like do a lot of like cross-dressing and BDSM and like, um, prostitution and, uh, just voyeurism and generally being naked in places that one shouldn't be naked and like with people that one probably shouldn't be naked with, but also a lot of people that I should have been naked with and I had a lot of fun with and, uh, Mm -hmm. it was, it was a good time of like, I don't know, just embracing the sexual deviancy and also like making up for lost time yeah uh because i didn't really lose my virginity until i was like 22 so it was i don't know i like i had to make up for lost time and i had a lot of fun doing it um and uh i like i feel like <clears throat> i've calmed down a lot um just i don't know i feel like if i wasn't dating kyle i would probably be equally as slutty <laughs> because it's fun um but i feel like i don't know i i don't feel like ruled by my libido anymore yeah and it kind of got to the point where i was just kind of a little bit ruled by my libido yeah and you were i i describe it as uh walking around with a loaded gun (laughs) and uh sometimes that loaded gun was pointed at you so yeah sexually sexually um i don't know it was a lot of fun but i i feel like it's kind of gotten to the point where i don't like i don't need to feel as like deviant as i used to and Mm -hmm. i feel like there was this point where i like needed to feel like a deviant always because that was my way of like asserting that i was queer and i think i've just kind of relaxed a little bit into my queerness and it doesn't feel so much as this like pretense that i have to put on or like like a number badge of like losing count of how many people you've slept with but it's i don't know that's about it i i feel like i've relaxed yeah a little bit and like kind of lost that sense of like sexual deviancy Mm -hmm. um I think for me, I and we talked about this before we moved here, but the we thought that there was going to be like a renaissance of our own discoveries and like b- being completely free, but due to um, work, school, and stuff, that kind of like we realized kind of quickly that that wasn't necessarily gonna happen as quickly as we wanted. Like our our own like this includes the way that we dress and and do everything you of course do crazy shit all the time but um but i i like i don't know going getting into grad school really uh made it hard on me because i um i i i got really into just like putting all of my anxieties and worries into school and uh into my creative poet poetry uh stuff and uh i i realized i i pushed a lot of that stuff down and i um, i tend to do it uh with school i tend to like 
push like all of my worries and dysphoria away and then once we have like some form of break emotionally everything comes back and i'm like swimming in in gender dysphoria and like all that stuff and uh, and it's uh the one thing that's been very helpful thankfully is i started going to to a therapist and like someone to just talk through all all that bullshit and essentially make my own podcast uh my own private podcast over there uh where i say everyone's name (laughs) and out everyone anyway um (laughs) uh i like that therapy has been really good for me in that sense where like it's really nice to hear someone outside of me being like you can do this you can figure these things out you just have to push through and and um i've heard it from other people but like someone who has no stakes in the game is kind of like it's it's there's something to it yeah so um that that has like that's really connected to it i um i have to put uh some weight into uh i took this uh gender queer trans um workshop uh in December, headed by Jay Dodd, and uh, it was wonderfully like eye-opening in the sense of it was a lot of genderqueer and trans people having conversations, writing poetry, and like really talking about about themselves and about uh, just like what what is what connects us, what makes us different, and everything. And the the one big connection, the one big realization I had throughout it all is that um, I always saw like the domestic world as being something very foreign to me and something that I wasn't allowed to be a part of because I am queer, and um, it it just if it, it felt weird to me that for the longest time I had denied myself the uh, like learning and being it's weird saying the word domestic but just like taking care of myself taking care of the place where i live um getting more into cooking i don't know just like that that type of stuff um like taking like worried about other like other worldly things instead of just being all in my head about stuff and um it was really nice discovering that like my queerness and like like domesticity in some senses could be part of my queerness and and that's something i've learned recently with all the cooking i've been doing (laughs) so yeah cooking does help you weirdly center yourself and your queerness Mm -hmm. It's, it's strange yeah yeah because i gotta keep feeding that vegan dog of ours so uh the dog won't always be vegan please don't come after us <laughs> it's just a phase that he's going through <laughs> it's anyway um i think that's it i think yeah. we have everything um first uh i want to say uh look out for our anniversary episode that i'm working on editing it is an episode where we both kind of look back at the first episode that we recorded plus like our friendship and how how a lot of that has changed um in some senses 
And um, we might as well uh, plug our social media because we're terrible at doing that. So uh, you can follow the podcast at They Them Podcast on Twitter. Um, also email us at They Them Podcast uh, at gmail.com. And um, personally, um, at Whooping Cough for my twitter and uh whooping cough from my soundcloud yeah <laughs> yeah there's some uh cool drops uh, cool uh tunes being dropped <laughs> and uh you can follow me on uh twitter at moon poet uh everything capitalized except the Z- o's are all zeros um and also a uh, little plug uh i recently had a chapbook published yes. uh on uh at our ghost city press published this chapbook that uh stephanie did the illustrations for i wrote 10 poems it's all about music it's called uh, no matter what you say spotify playlists are not mixtapes please check it out uh also there's a little donate button that you can click and donate money always helpful anyway all right all right have fun bah, 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 bah.